we're taking with us into this year a verse that, t- uh, that Andy just read there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it's actually two verses, 7 and 8. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Silas has designed some rather attractive bookmarks. I'm not sure how we're going to get them to you, but uh, we'll somehow get them to you so that you've got it. But just ring that verse, uh, save it on your phone or mark it in some way and pray into it and hold it in your heart and mind throughout this year. Now, I want you just to imagine something for a moment. It's a bit gloomy, but stay with me. Okay, imagine you are soon going to die. You are given a piece of paper and on it you are allowed to write 2,000 words of of spiritual encouragement and motivation to somebody who is very special to you. Let me repeat that. You are about to die quite soon and you are given a piece of paper on which you can write 2,000 words of spiritual encouragement and motivation to somebody who is special to you. What would you write? In 2 Timothy, that Andy just read to us, this is his second letter. It's approximately 2,000 words, and it is the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. It's probably written about AD 66, 67, and it's just before Paul is executed during the reign of Nero, the Caesar of the Roman Empire at that time. Paul is chained in a dungeon. His only visitor is Dr. Luke, and he knows he's soon going to die. Actually, in this second letter of Timothy, Paul says in chapter 4, verse 6, my life is poured out like a drink offering. The time of my death is near. But he writes to Timothy, his spiritual son, because he longs to see him. He hopes that Timothy can come and visit him before it's too late. And this letter is a letter from Paul's heart. It's not some doctrinal teaching that we get in the book of Romans, Corinthians, and many of his other letters. This is a personal letter from Paul's heart, passionately expressing, as it were, his last will and testament. So what might you write if you found yourself in Paul's situation? In this year of 2021, I really want us to take hold of this verse to encourage us, to inspire us, to motivate us, to boldly live for Jesus and to share the story of his love through our lives on a daily basis. We're declaring this as a year of mission. And so my prayer, and I trust it's all of our prayers, that we want to see at least one person coming to put their faith and trust in Jesus every month. We need to pray that, and we'll certainly be praying about that this coming Tuesday. So let's just unpack this verse, or these couple of verses, 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8. Let's just look at it for a few moments together. 
The first thing we want to notice is what God has not given us. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. During this week, Pam felt she received a word of encouragement from the Lord, which she sent to me. And I just want to read part of it out to you because I think it's quite significant. This is what Pam felt God said to her. It's this. I want my children to learn to obey my instruction. Do not fear. I want them to learn to recognize fear and to recognize when it starts to infiltrate the mind of their lives. Fear is a response provoked by intimidation from the enemy, which distorts the situation until the issues appear to loom larger than the promises of your loving and all-powerful father. Fear captures your heart and mind, twists truth, and manipulates your reasoning. Fear never comes from me, says the Lord. I found that a very encouraging word. We'll put that on. We're, we're collating different words of encouragement, so we'll add that to it. But something else that Pam said, which we've also heard recently, is that fear, F-E-A-R, the F stands for false evidence appearing real, kind of an acrostic. Fear is false evidence appearing real, and, and that's absolutely true. And frequently in the Bible, you will find that God says to his people, fear not. And whenever God says fear not, he is about to do something miraculous and marvelous. A couple of illustrations. When the people of Israel had left their captivity in Egypt, they came to the Red Sea and it was a dead end. And God says to Moses, tell the people, fear not. And then he says, now hold up your staff. And of course, the Red Sea was miraculously divided. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary, a young virgin who was engaged to be married to Joseph and announced that she was going to bring Jesus into the world, one of the first things the angel said was, fear not, you are highly favored. And if you do a study in the scripture, wherever God says fear not, something miraculous and marvelous is about to take place. Paul says to us here, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you have a spirit of fear, where is it from? Who is it from? It's certainly not from God. The Greek word for fear that we're very familiar with is phobia. Claustrophobia, agrophobia, hydrophobia, and all sorts of other phobias, arachnophobia, um, we're all familiar with them. Um, the fear of heights, the fear of spiders, the fear of confined spaces. But when Paul says God has not given us a spirit of fear, he is not using the Greek word phobia. He's actually using a different Greek word, which is delia. And that word literally means cowardice. Okay, so when he says God has not given us a spirit of fear, he's literally saying God has not given us a spirit that makes us into cowards. A coward is somebody, of course, who runs away. <clears throat> a coward is somebody that you often associate with the color yellow. Not really sure why, but it is so. A coward is somebody who lacks, lacks courage, who is timid. Now, I've got three verses of scripture I just want read out. If somebody could find Psalm 
78 verse 9. If somebody else could find Proverbs 28 verse 1, and then if somebody else could find Acts 4 verse 31. Let's just listen to these three verses that speak into this situation of cowardice, running away, and see what the scriptures have to say. Psalm 78 verse 9, what does that say? Right. Psalm 78. 78. Um, yeah. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. Yeah. They were in a battle. These men of Ephraims, they, they knew how to fire bows and arrows, but it tells us that they turned back. They ran away. They were filled with cowardice. They didn't stand and fight. Proverbs um, 28, verse 1, what does that say? They run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Yeah, what about that? The godly are as bold as lions. But who runs away? Um, was it, what did it say? Who runs away? Uh, the wicked run away oh. when no one is chasing them. Yeah, the wicked are cowards, but the, the, the righteous are bold as lions. And then just in Acts 4.31, um, somebody got that. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God, God with boldness. Yeah, brilliant. So let's ask a question. Are you as bold as a lion? That's <laughs> what the scripture says. Have you got a good roar? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. The word spirit in the Greek is pneuma. We're familiar with that. Our cars have pneumatic tires. It's all from the Greek word. The Greek word pneuma literally means wind. And um, if you think of winding a baby, so um, Adam and uh, Emmy will be learning all about that in not too long a time. But when you wind a baby, you get something out that is uncomfortable inside. And some Christians need winding, if you pardon the expression, because they're full of timidity about their faith. When there's an opportunity to share Jesus, they turn away, they run. They become mute, as it were. And it's as if they have got a spirit within them that needs to be rubbed out of them or thumped on the back or whatever you do when you come to winding a baby. Use the analogy because some, some Christians are full of wind, but they, they talk a load of rubbish. They don't speak coherently and honestly concerning Jesus. All talk and no action, it seems that some Christians are. And a windy Christian is a weak Christian. And so... We need to know that God has not filled us with a wind that is cowardice, that locks <coughs> us up and makes us run away. You see, when we look in the Acts of the Apostles, and we've been studying that, the Holy Spirit makes us confident and bold to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. The human spirit will make you a coward. It will make you weak. And Jesus never expected us to live the Christian life in our own strength. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to encourage us and enable us to be bold and to be strong. Now, maybe, don't misunderstand me, but maybe you need burping 
to get the wind of weakness out of you. And that may have come through all manner of circumstances. You might have tried to share your faith and you felt rejected. You might have grown up in a family where you were the only Christian and it found it very, very hard. And sometimes it's easy to take the least line of resistance. I'll just live my life quietly and I won't say anything. But that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be shining lights. We're called to speak out and to live out our lives for the glory of Jesus' name, not in our own strength, but in the power that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is what God has not given us, a spirit of fear. So what has he given us? Well, Paul says he has given us power, love, and self-discipline. These are three characteristics of an effective Christian. Let's just look at those three for a moment. First of all, he's given us power. This is what Jesus promised in Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. That is why the Holy Spirit is given to us to enable us to have the courage and the boldness to live the kind of life that Jesus calls us to live. It is power to be strong. It is power to make you bold, to make you confident, to make you courageous. You see, a Christian is not somebody who needs a prop of religious belief to get them through life. Often people make fun of Christians and they say, oh, you just need a, a religious belief as a prop to help you. That is not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who is empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the kind of life that Jesus taught us to live and to make a dynamic difference in the way that they live. That's why the Bible says we need to be daily filled with the Holy Spirit so we can live that kind of life. Don't live the Christian life in your own strength. Know that the power of the Holy Spirit is there for you to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. So God has given us a spirit of power, the Holy Spirit. He's also given us a spirit of love. This word love here in the Greek is the word agape, which I guess you've heard of. It's the highest form of love. It literally is unconditional love. Somebody once described agape love like this. It's unconditional love that is always giving. It's impossible to take or to be a taker. It devotes total commitment to seek your highest best, no matter how anybody may respond to you. This form of love is totally selfish, selfless, and does not change whether the love is given in return. Have any of you seen that film a number of years ago called Hacksaw Ridge? No, you've never seen the film Hacksaw Ridge? <clears throat> okay, I, I thought it was something to do with engineering, but then I, I learned what it was about. But um, it, it's a great film. Um, it's a true story of a guy called Private Desmond Doss. He was an American army medic in World War II. And Doss is played by an actor called Andrew Garfield. And Doss was responsible for saving the lives of 75 American soldiers during the Battle of Okinawa in Japan. He refused to carry a rifle or any weapon. And he was mocked. He was ridiculed by his fellow soldiers 
almost treated as somebody who was a coward because he wouldn't carry a weapon. He wouldn't use it to kill or to use a weapon in any sense. But while staying true to his religious beliefs, and he was a fine Christian man, he saved 75 soldiers during that battle. He was faced with extreme pressure from his fellow soldiers, but later they had huge respect for him when he, was when he received the Medal of Honor for his incredible bravery. And in the film, it's acted out in an incredibly moving way. In the film, Doss has already saved numerous soldiers from this ridge, lowering them down to the safety at the bottom of this cliff face. And it's a remarkable film. But in this film, he strives to do more. And his prayer that he keeps praying is this, please, Lord, help me to get one more. Help me to get one more. To me, that is agape love being practically and powerfully demonstrated. You see, Jesus said there is no greater love that we can have than to lay your life down for someone else, which is exactly what Jesus did. That is the essence of agape love, where it does not think of itself. It is totally unselfish and it gives of itself for the good of others. Paul says God has given to us a spirit of love, the kind of love that Jesus had. The Holy Spirit wants to flow in us and through us. Paul says elsewhere in Romans that the, the love of God is shed abroad or expressed from our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says that we are to be those who carry the good news of Jesus we are to be like books that people read, living epistles, as Paul says. People read our lives, people watch our lives, and the way we behave can either tell them that we have the love of Jesus in us or not. We have opportunities to share that love. C.S. Lewis says God loves us, not because we are lovable, but because he is love, not because he needs to receive, but because he delights to give. If that's how God feels about us, then he wants us to express the same kind of love in our daily lives. So God has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, but also a spirit of self-discipline. This is literally sound thinking. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind or the thinking of Christ. This is literally safe and sensible thinking. There's a lot of weird and wacky thinking about in our culture today, and it was very similar in the times in which Paul was writing to Timothy, because there were many philosophies and many religious ideas. The Greeks loved to debate, and Paul repeatedly warns against arguments that would only avoid the truth in Jesus. Paul says here in 2 Timothy 2.23, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments because they only start fights or squabbles. And then Paul says in to Titus in Titus 3.9, don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These are useless and a waste of time. 
You see, we are called to bear witness to the truth, not to argue about the truth. So God was promised to give us sound thinking so that we can answer everybody with wisdom and grace and we can live the kind of life that will be attractive because they will see Jesus in us. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. The final thought is, why has God given us all of this? Well, Paul says in the, letter, the second part of that passage, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. The key word here is the word ashamed. Because Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Did you know that your testimony is powerful? And the devil knows it. We have read to us from uh, Revelation chapter 12. Now, it's a bit of a difficult book to understand the book of Revelation, particularly when it talks about dragons, which is what Silas was reading to us about. That dragon term was just a metaphor or another name for the devil. And it was about a battle that was, was going on. It's, it's a prophetic picture. And, um, but it said there that in this battle, they overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. It's speaking about Christian saints, Christian men and women. Your testimony is powerful. The devil knows it's powerful because your testimony is the truth. It's the truth about what Jesus has done in your heart and life. And nobody can ever gainsay the truth or gainsay your experience of what Jesus has done in your life. And Paul is writing here from prison to Timothy, and he says to him that God has chosen me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. That's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure he is able to guard everything I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul also said in the book of Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then also the Gentiles. Paul had a boldness, had a confidence where he would never be ashamed to own the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word ashamed literally means to have a feeling of fear. A shame which prevents us from doing something. It's that fear again, isn't it? False evidence appearing real. We've got to kick fear into touch, knowing that we have no reason to be fearful at all because Jesus said, I will never ever leave you. He is with us by his Holy Spirit. And all we need to do on a daily basis is say, Jesus, I want to serve your purposes. Help me to be strong by your Holy Spirit. Use me to live for you and to show your love to others. So we've declared 2021 as a year of mission. In actual fact, every year should be a year of mission. But we want to make an extra effort this year. 
Samuel Chand uh, wrote a great book and he said, growing churches keep pushing themselves beyond the comfort of the members and regular attenders to reach the community in evangelism and mercy ministries. We shared mercy ministries with hampers over Christmas. We sought to evangelize with um, a Christmas carol service in the car park. We've got more opportunities for mercy ministries that are being offered to us now through Silas's connections with the school, and that is wonderful. But we need to also engage in that personal one-to-one -one conversation where we are able to speak openly about our faith in Jesus. Thank God that in this country, we can openly talk about Jesus. Some Christians in other countries are persecuted if they dare speak openly about their faith. We have an open opportunity in this day to still talk and to share the truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's start with Alpha and let's seek to do something every month that will give us the opportunity to share Jesus. We've said this before, we want you to come up with creative ideas. We're looking forward to the day when we can start to physically meet together again. We're hoping that that's not going to be too many months away. But once we are able to start physically meeting, then we want to connect together in different ways whereby we will have the opportunity to share our faith and to share Jesus with our friends and people we know.